Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of How I Built It. In today's episode, I get to talk to Josh Koenig, founder of Pantheon. Josh is energetic, passionate, and knowledgeable in his field, and that's a killer combination you love to see in company leaders. We talk about the technologically cool stuff Pantheon is doing, so if you're a developer, you don't want to miss this one. But first, a word from our sponsors. This season of How I Built It is brought to you by two fantastic sponsors. The first is Liquid Web. If you're running a membership site, an online course, or even a real estate site on WordPress, you've likely already discovered many hosts that have optimized their platforms for a logged out experience, where they cache everything. Sites on their hardware are great for your sales and landing pages, but struggle when your users start logging in. At that point, your site is as slow as if you were on $3 hosting. LiquidWeb built their managed WordPress platform optimized for sites that want speed and performance, regardless of whether a customer is logged in or logged out. Trust me on this, I've tried it out and it's fast, seriously fast. Now, with their single site plan, LiquidWeb is a no-brainer for anyone whose site is actually part of their business and not just a site promoting their business. Check out the rest of the features on their platform by visiting them at buildpodcast.net slash liquidweb. That's buildpodcast.net slash liquidweb. It's also brought to you by Jilt. Jilt is the easiest way to recover abandoned shopping carts on WooCommerce, Easy Digital Downloads, and Shopify. Your e-commerce clients could be leaving literally thousands of dollars on the table, and here's why. 70% of all shopping carts are abandoned prior to checkout. Yes, you heard that right. 70% of shoppers never make it to checkout. And that's why you need to introduce your clients to Jilt. Jilt uses proven recovery tactics to rescue that lost revenue. It's an easy win that lets you boost your client's revenue by as much as 15%, and it only takes 15 minutes of your time to set up. Jilt fully integrates with WooCommerce, EDD, and Shopify, and you can completely customize the recovery emails that Jilt sends to match your client's branding using its powerful drag-and-drop editor, or by digging into the HTML and CSS. Even better, Jilt's fair pricing means your clients pay only for the customers they actually engage, and you get to earn a cut of that through Jilt's partner program. Whether you have clients that process one sale per month or 10,000 sales per month, be the hero and help them supercharge their revenue with Jilt. Check them out at buildpodcast.net slash Jilt. That's buildpodcast.net slash J-I-L-T. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Josh Koenig of Pantheon. Josh, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Joe? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about your new global CDN tool that you rolled out, uh, I guess, a couple of months ago at the, at this point, or at least at the point where it's being released, this episode's being released. So why don't we start at the beginning, though? Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, about 
a little bit about Pantheon for those of you who don't know, but uh, Pantheon was a sponsor in season two, and then the global CDN tool. Sure, sure. So my background is I've been working on the web in one way, shape, or form uh, for now 20 years, which <laughs> makes me feel old. Um, maybe I am getting a little old. Uh, I, I, I was lucky enough to get turned on to, uh, to this technology in the, in the very early days. And even though I, I have a, a background in, in fine arts from an education standpoint, I always was sort of put myself through school and then uh, made my living with my internet skills. And uh, over the years, that, that sort of developed more and more into a real career. I worked in the uh, the Drupal uh, community for a number of years in the aughts as that technology was uh, becoming more and more popular and taking off and started a, a consultancy based in San Francisco that's still around and still doing great work for, for clients, kind of serving their needs to you know move their cause or their business or their, their brand forward on the internet. And then started Pantheon with a couple of my uh, co-founders from the consultancy and a friend of ours we had made through the through the community. And it was really based on our observation that in our consulting work, we were doing some things that were totally different from project to project, you know, design, content strategy, you know, user flows, uh, business logic in your website, in your application. Those are all very different depending on what your website is, what it's trying to accomplish in the world, who you are as an organization or a business. But we were also doing this infrastructure work, setting up development workflows, especially as we worked on larger and larger projects, there would often be developers uh, who worked for the client, or they would have hired multiple agencies, or they'd want to accelerate things by adding some contractors. So having infrastructure for doing website development that really supported a, a larger team using version control and merging workflows and so forth, and then actually launching some of these sites that are on the bigger side that maybe are going to get a lot more traffic in such a way that they don't fall over when you, when you put them online. And although the projects we were doing were super different from like nonprofits to, you know, uh, businesses to even some government work and media stuff, these infrastructure components of how we built the site collaboratively and then how we launched it successfully were kind of the same. We were, we were kind of learning as we went, but it wasn't like they were different based on the requirements of the project. So we thought to ourselves, hey, this stuff is potentially could be turned from uh, pretty high-end consulting work into a service uh, since it's repetitive and we could deliver it to everybody so that you know we have more successful projects in the open source uh, web community because we could see like some of our peers in the space you know you'd hear here's sort of stories in the hallway track at a conference or something about like less successful projects and oftentimes the 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 thing that fell apart was either we, we couldn't work together as a team. We were trying, we were, we were under pressure to meet our deadlines. We tried to add more developers and it made everything worse. Like that's a common story. Mm -hmm. That's like, yeah, yeah. there's like, I mean, and some of that's just like mythical man month thinking. And like, you can't just add more people to solve something, but it, you, you really can't add people if you don't have a, a way, a structured way to collaborate. Cause you just start stepping on each other's toes and it makes things worse. Or we managed to hit our, our deadline for our client, but then we launched the site and it crashed. And we spent the next two weeks in kind of like firefighting, like, you know, uh, a, a really kind of uncomfortable firefighting mode just to get the website stable and online. And those are never, those are experiences that, that you know, don't leave clients happy and can lead to burnout on the teams that work on them. And so we really felt there was this need if you could just solve both of those problems with like snap of your fingers, just turn on this service. And then that would like help so many more people successfully develop 
uh, web projects and ambitious web projects uh, using these open source technologies. So that's where Pantheon came from, and it's been a, it's been a wild wild ride since then. We started out you know very much anchored in our our roots in the Drupal community, but started you know immediately seeing interest from the WordPress world and added WordPress support after a couple of years, and we've just been kind of going and going since then. It's been awesome. Man, that's that's fantastic. And using Pantheon, you know, I can tell that there's a lot of developer focused stuff, right? When I got set up with an account, I didn't really have to do anything to get git push to or git deploy to work. Like it just kind of worked, uh which is not my experience on any other hosting platform. Uh so I really in- enjoyed that. And you're absolutely right. From a large team's perspective, you know, I've done uh, agency work for like Fortune 100 companies. Big teams need to scale well in order for a, a project to be successful. And any tools uh, that can help that really, really help that. Like it's very noticeable. So uh, that's that sounds fantastic. I'm really glad that, you know, a Pantheon exists in, in the space for that reason. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, and we're there's always more for us to do. We're We're sort of we're always looking at other aspects of this kind of this world of the the operations aspects of websites. So whether that's how you manage your collaboration, manage access, how you think about reusable components across multiple websites, how you think about things like the data about how the website is performing, um, not you know including like you know my my background as like a sort of server side engineer. Like I th- I think about performance tuning a lot, and like I look at New Relic graphs. I enjoy doing that sort of thing. But also there's the aspect of performance like is it actually working like are you getting the results in the real world you want from your website and so i i I kind of conceive of this world of you know hosting is is a critical component of this bigger world of website operations right like if you don't have a website online like nothing else really matters but once you have that kind of core infrastructure problem solved all these other challenges emerge almost immediately like okay so your website's online but can you like actually make changes to it do you feel like you have a development workflow that lets you try out new things are you do you have like metrics on your website that tell you whether the things you're changing are making it better or worse it's interesting because i think a, a lot of people in this world are still I think there's a lot of people for whom they just want to have a simple website online that represents them so they can be found there. And that's great. Like, and then we're getting better and better tools for, for achieving that, like sort of like uh, high quality, but sort of, I would say, you know, base level web presence. But then you have a lot of people who are actually trying to make something happen with their website. They want to have an, they want to have an effect. They want to have an impact. But the, a lot of the thinking in the industry is still stuck in the old world of like, I guess like on the agency side, there's still the, the, the waterfall patterns of like Mad Men style agency mm-hmm. sales. And on the engineering side, you still have patterns that are from the era of shrink wrap development. So it's kind of like, you know, everyone thinks we're going to do a big redesign and we're going to spend like two years redesigning and re-implementing our website. And it'll be like this huge project. And at the end, we'll launch it and then everything will be solved. And, and actually, <laughs> you, 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 and, and, and it's problematic because I've, I've been on the, uh, the implementation side of those sorts of projects. And like, yes, there are times when you need to re-platform. There are times you need to redesign. There are times when you need to just like take a fresh look at everything. That is absolutely true. But the notion that like you should burn through like 90% of your budget just to get that 
first iteration live is setting yourself up for failure. Like if you don't have a way to actually continue to make changes to the site, you know, whether that's like content changes, which people should, you know, with, with WordPress and so forth, you can make mm-hmm. content. That's the beauty of it. You can make content changes, you know, at a, at a snap of a finger, like you can respond within an hour, but also changes to your functionality, to your layouts, to your design, all those sorts of things that uh, aren't just, you know, sort of tweaking the words in a post. You want to be able to iterate on those things too, and then measure the results. And that's how really web- great websites get really great is people do this. But I think that's that's still something that a lot of people, you know, they feel like it's out of reach for them. And it's often because they don't have the ability to do this kind of collaborative work. And that's like, to me, the bigger picture problem we're trying to solve isn't just this core infrastructure kind of problem. Although I'm, I'm going to talk about our CDN, which is very much a core infrastructure kind of capability with the how we built it, because it's a really interesting story. But that core infrastructure problem is just the base problem. The next level up is, okay, how do we work on this thing and continually make it better and learn while we're doing it? Because that's what you have to do to make a really great product. Yeah, absolutely. And and we certainly do have the tools today to, to do things like that. I mean, you guys are at the forefront of kind of adding some of those tools and as well as some of the other bigger hosting companies too. So, and like the developers who are creating things like Vue.js and stuff like that. But, you know, you mentioned that you started on the web 20 years ago. I'm not that much, you know, I'm not that much behind you. I started about 15 years ago. So around the time we both started, making a website was pretty simple. We had HTML. We had CSS. CSS was probably in line. We had maybe some graphics. Everything was table-based layout, and we would just FTP stuff up to a server, right? So as you build out all of these tools to help with collaboration, especially if we have as we have remote teams and, and other tools to iterate quickly, not just your content, but your functionality... What kind of research are you doing and who are you talking to to stay on top of current trends, right? Because a common conversation that a lot of developers have is, uh, hey, I see you're using React. Have you heard about Vue? Hey, I see you're using Vue. Have you heard of <laughs> new JavaScript framework totally. that's going to be outdated by the time this episode comes out? So how do you stay on top of that stuff? Well, so honestly, you know, our our business has a uh, an overt focus on the agency world and then in like developer focus as you as you called out initially and then as a, on a business level we have an agency sort of focus because that's where sort of developers the rubber meets the road and and agencies are generally pushing things forward a little bit ahead of where you know an in-house developer or an IT person might just because just because the demands on them are are to constantly be innovative that's that's how right, they right. differentiate so I'm really lucky in that we have this big network of great agencies who we're targeting our uh, collaboration tools towards, and we get to talk to them. And we can, there's a little bit of like interesting observational uh, work that we can do just by seeing what's launching on Pantheon. We have like a wall board in the office that's just mm-hmm. like the sites that went live in the past 24 hours. And it's awesome because it's like just this, you know, s- stream of the beautiful randomness that is the internet. And so you can kind of see some trends there, especially like, you know, just literally from a design standpoint. I remember like when we started to see the the move towards not just mobile responsive design, but really mobile first design and like mm-hmm. the kind of just the big centered hero kind of presentation on a homepage became the norm rather than, you know, rather than the exception. But yeah. but in really in terms of the question you're asking, like it's it's all about keeping up with the agencies and just actually having conversations with them. I'm a huge fan of the method that uh, is called generally known as customer development. 
and customer development, if you're not familiar with it, is basically just a lightly structured process of finding your ideal uh, type customer. And that means someone who's actually using your product successfully. Uh, so you have to have a minimum viable, minimally, minimally viable product to, to get there. But hopefully your intuition can take you to that point. And then you just like get in their head of, while they use your product. And the best interviews are almost like, you know, narrate for me the documentary movie of you using my product and tell me how it makes you feel and where you run into trouble and where you wish it did something that it didn't currently do. And it's interesting because you're not just, it's a little different than doing observational user experience research where you're just watching people and kind of, you know, intentionally not engaging them because you don't want to influence the data that you're collecting. Because what you get from, from customer development is that you actually get if you do if you do it well, you get into the thought processes of the people who are using uh, your product, and that can provide like really amazing insights. So, like we uh, a really uh, pat example is we we always wanted to have this ability in the core of Pantheon for there to be a handoff, right? Like at, a, at a, I built the site, but it's for a client, and uh, the, we're getting close to the launch, so I need to bring the client in, and I want to hand off ownership to them because I want them to, you know, I feel like I, the right thing to do is for the client to own the infrastructure for the website, not for, for me to own it and then have to you know build them uh, in some other way. And so in talking through that with uh, with some people who are using a very early version of, uh, of Pantheon, we came about this notion of like invite to pay and like the, the process of yeah. like being able to send an, you know, input someone's email address, have that send them to uh, generate a link for them that brings them to like a simple page where they're just saying, it's saying so-and-so is inviting you to pay for this site. They recommend this package. You can change that package if you want, because ultimately you're the one who's paying and here's where you put in your credit card information. And that like, frankly, uh, right now we're actually working on redesigning a bunch of that stuff because it hasn't changed very much since the four and a half years ago when we implemented it. And now it looks like actually out of date. Uh, it's not up like even up to our style guide. But that insight of it's actually this invitation to pay and you want to have this exchange with your client was very much a customer development driven insight. Nice. That's fantastic. And it totally uh, reinforces another interview that I had for a season four with Anthony Katz of Hyperice. Uh, it's so funny. I always find the theme of the season emerges in like the, the first couple of episodes. And he talks about the same concept of customer development right so he uh they made like a this sort of uh restorative ice pack that you can strap to your body and he worked with professional athletes to uh really get it up to snuff like he gave it to them and just got their feedback these are the people who always have like ice packs or ice buckets on them and mm-hmm. uh so it's it's really great to hear you reinforce that right because i think a lot of developers myself included will build something to our perception and then be a little resistive to feedback. You get maybe a little bit attached to the thing you're building. You built it in a way that you think is good, uh, but everybody works differently. And you need to have that target, that perfect customer, as you said, in mind to really build something great that they're going to use, right? Um, so I, I really love that. And I love that it's coming up again in two episodes. So uh, very cool. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you about a sponsor I'm so excited to have on the show this week, and that's Beaver Builder. Beaver Builder is a drag and drop page builder and a platform you can trust with your business. Free up your time and join over half a million websites built with Beaver Builder. I 
have been using Beaver Builder for a couple of years now and I couldn't be happier with it. It's an excellent tool with a lot of flexibility. You can check them out at buildpodcast.net slash builder. That's buildpodcast.net slash builder. And now back to the show. I can't say enough about like that. And the, the one thing that's interesting to me, you get you mentioned like you get attached to the things you build. And I'm definitely guilty of that. <laughs> As I think anybody, <laughs> any honest developer would say that they can empathize with being in that situation. And it's a tough line to walk because the great products are not just the result of kind of having people tell you what they want and then doing that. It's the Henry Ford, like if, if I just listened to my customers, I would have, they would have built a half faster horse, right? right? So the great products are a combination of your own sort of expertise or some kind of, you know, whether that's a technology expertise or something else. And then the ability to have an insight into the needs of the customer that, that they might not necessarily directly vocalize themselves. That's the, and that's what customer development can, can give you because you're, you're, you're figuring out how to put yourself enough in their shoes that you could have like a light bulb moment. And then you have to obviously market test it and make sure that you're not just like, you know, uh, off on a wild goose chase. But it's that <laughs> right. it's that ability to have an insight into the world of your customer, in addition to also listening to what pleases them or what displeases them. Nice. That's that's fantastic. So as we're talking about this sort of stuff and you work with a lot of developers and we're a little more through halfway through the show right now. But, you know, there's been a big focus on performance. And so why don't we talk about uh, this interesting story that you have about how you built uh, this global CDN tool. So maybe you can start with exactly what that is. And uh, for anybody listening who don't know what a CDN is, if you can define it and then talk about how you built it. Sure, sure. So CDN is an acronym that stands for Content Distribution Network. And basically, the core concept of a CDN since the earliest days of the internet has been get the stuff required for a user to see a website closer to the user. So the idea is that, you know, we have uh, our, our phones or our, our desktops or our laptops connected to the internet. I type in a URL, I hit enter. There, That actually begins this very complex dance of TCP IP and HTTP protocol uh, transactions that require the device that I'm on to talk to a server somewhere, right? Usually uh, some, some internet endpoint, right? And that could be halfway across the country or internationally halfway around the world. And while packets move at almost the speed of light, not quite because actually in fiber optic cables, you, you're not really moving at light speed because stuff's <laughs> bouncing around. Right. While packets moved almost at the speed of light, the number of back and forth uh, pings that have to happen just to establish a connection to then negotiate HTTPS if you're working securely, which everyone should be going forward, that's now the new norm, and, and then to start to request the assets and receive the assets, that can actually be as many as five or six round trips between your device and whatever the endpoint that it's talking to is before the first bit of real data begins to flow. And so if you can say, hey, let's move the assets or let's move that endpoint from halfway across the globe to, you know, maybe halfway across the state that I live in, or perhaps like halfway across town, then that's going to result in a much, much faster and more pleasant experience for customers. So the CDNs have been around since the beginning of the web. And they were originally very much about just like distributing the images because that's a they're static assets. They don't change that often, if at all. Uh, and it's a it's sort of a it's sort of a it is a little bit like that 
that FTPing mindset. We're just going to bulk load this information off to all these different points of presence around the world, and then you know websites will uh, people who are loading websites will be able to access the, the the data from those locations, and stuff will load faster. That's a core concept. In a modern and, and actually, sir, just to go back to your like when we first started in this business, the web was real simple. You had some HTML, you had some images, you had some CSS. You would FTP them up to a thing. Like if that's how you built your website, then uh, CDNing it is like pretty straightforward because you just like distribute the HTML file to all the different points of presence as well. That's another right, acronym right. in in CDN land is point of presence or POP. So. In the modern world, where we don't just uh, have static content, where we're actually using dynamic publishing systems, it becomes a lot more interesting. Because in order to get the experience that really, really will knock people's socks off, that will really delight your, your end users, your customers, you have to figure out how to get the full response the, you want to get the the endpoint to to connection to be close to the customer. You want to be able to negotiate your HTTPS close to the customer, and you want to be able to deliver the full page response, if possible, from a location that is as close to the customer as as can be. And we, for our background uh, as a technology, we had this interesting capability in Pantheon. We've always been kind of associated with high performance and speed, and and that really matters because there's you know, pick your your metric. Any any business metric that you could care to apply to your website will be positively influenced by a faster website or negatively influenced by a slower website. Like there's a there's a a, a great website speed tester uh, that Google uh, uses called uh, Think with Google, and, it, and it's particularly focused on the mobile use case. But it'll actually give you an estimate of how much traffic you're losing because people don't even wait for your site to load. And in, in some cases, it could be 30 to 40% of your traffic is never even seeing your page because they are, they are not, they're not waiting for it to load. Uh, likewise, like um, HubSpot has a ton of metrics around conversion rates and so forth and how, how like significantly those can be influenced by how, how, how fast the web experience is for the customer, you know, how much more likely people are to abandon a shopping cart, how much more likely people are to, to, to disengage with the content if they're having to wait. So everybody, everybody recognizes that the website being fast is, is like of real business value. But when you're not just like shoving HTML files out onto a CDN, how do you do that? So Pantheon has originally had a, a varnish uh, layer as part of the platform. And that's a technology that's used, again, to accelerate uh, website delivery. It's kind of like uh, for, for the... For from a WordPress perspective, it's it's kind of analogous to one any of you pick your favorite page caching system, just like much faster and and much more scalable because it's a it's a, a technology that was built from the ground up just to, to do that rather than you know being a WordPress plugin. So it's orders of magnitude faster at delivering cached pages and can like deliver thousands of them a second without breaking a sweat. So that's a, it's a really cool technology that we had learned how to use. And it's one of the ways that we, when we were doing our consulting work, we would launch websites and never have to worry about the, the you know, a big PR hit crashing the site. So we just built that into the platform. But it was built into the platform in the primary data center where we had it. So what we did when we started to think about the global CDN and kind of the next generation of our infrastructure was we said, we thought, what if we could take this varnish layer that does super fast page responses and actually push it out so that it was you know distributed worldwide and we 
we worked with a, a partner, a technology partner a company called Fastly. That is a, a sort of a CDN slash edge computing platform. And we used their network and their points of presence to essentially re-implement what had been built into Pantheon from the beginning with our varnish cache layer on top of Fastly's network. So instead of having like one point of presence with a super fast cache in Chicago, we have 40 points of presence around the world that all have their super fast caches. And that's actually, I did some benchmarks of like us against us, like old us versus new us. Yeah. And it like cuts down page response times by sometimes as much as 40 or 50%. It's awesome. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And that's, Without really the developer having to do anything, right? Because I'm a front-end developer. I know that I can optimize my site by using SVG instead of like giant JPEGs. Uh, I can load non-essential JavaScript and CSS in the footer so that it's not like yep. um, like a header blocking stuff and things like that. But And so I can speed up my site, but it sounds like I might just be able to upload a reasonably optimized site, not like a fully optimized site, and, and still see returns because of this global CDN, is that right? Yeah, that's the idea. It's there. You, you. I don't, I don't want to discount the 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 virtue of uh, front oh, end of development course. and and front right. performance because you actually really do need both. Because even like the fastest infrastructure in the world with a with like a poorly optimized site will still probably not deliver. Like you might get the first first parts of the page to load and maybe the user will see them depending on how the page is structured but you can totally screw it up right it's still possible to right make it so yeah that, like yeah. The, the you know it you know you've got like weird slow loading ad blocks that are causing all the content to like wait to render and so forth so so it's only half the battle in in my mind but the the great part about it is that you just get it you don't have to configure anything. You don't have to worry about setting stuff up. You don't have to worry about weird domain names. You don't have to worry like, and you you get it, and you get it with HTTPS by default out of the box from the beginning. It's not like a thing that you have to worry about including later. It's just built into the platform for for every site, and so it just becomes this new standard of well, now that I have like a plus plus infrastructure that can deliver this type of like you know. 100 millisecond or or sometimes even faster page response time like that's that's the engine that i've got now the site is kind of like okay i gotta make sure that i have like really really well defined like a really aerodynamically streamed you know body chassis and i need really good steering <laughs> and i gotta have the yeah. best tires and get high octane gas like you gotta have all those things to win like win a race but what we do is we just give you like a world-class engine without having to with basically without having to do any work Nice, nice. That's uh, well. That's a perfect analogy, and I love that. So, uh, you guys rolled this out uh, over the summer. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That's right. Cool. And uh, so, what are what are your kind of plans for this? Is this like out out now? Is it uh, kind of just doing its own thing, or do you do you have more plans for it in the coming months? Oh yeah, we we have big plans. So. To, so we rolled it out and we started the, we rolled it out first by saying, okay, all new sites will be on this by default. Cause that's the, the goal is to make it again, the kind of built in experience. But we, and we identified like a good, say 40% of our existing sites that we could, we could just switch over because they were using uh, a C name for, for their DNS. And that's something we could actually redirect. And we did that, yes. but that then 
the the we're in, still in the long tail of encouraging customers to upgrade. You know, it gives them HTTPS for free, which used to cost extra on Pantheon, and they get faster page performance. But they do have to make a DNS change, and sometimes people want to test things very thoroughly before they go live. So it creates it's not much work, but it's not zero work for existing customers. And so we've been uh, spending the past couple months. Really like working with customers who had questions or concerns. Uh, people, some, a few people who had like uh, use cases where they had very, very legacy systems that were integrating with their website. W one of the things that we did to deliver the HTTPS for free was we're using Let's Encrypt and we're using like a really modern version of the TLS protocol. That's the the successor protocol to SSL, and and that lets us do HTTPS like really economically and with the highest possible performance. But if you have like really, really old java apps or right. even like some some like if some i mean very very few people have these but like if you've got like a a windows xp user base or like a a, a old school blackberry user base th some of those devices aren't able to speak those new protocols so we're having a few customers who have concerns around that so we're working around all these edge cases right now but looking forward there's a number of things that i'm um super stoked about one is that we're going to have an ability to offer some really amazing benefits for websites that are super sensitive around their uptime. Like nobody wants their website to be down, but then there's some websites where like they're they're they want to measure their potential downtime in like single digit minutes per month with mm -hmm. like a three nines type SLA. And uh, we'll be able to use the global CDN to, to meet some of those use cases, which is going to be super cool. And I think we'll be able to bring some benefits to all customers, but we'll be able to like really, for customers who demand that super high level of service, we'll be able to, to offer that. We'll also be able to offer a bunch of neat features around potentially doing some stuff with um, auto-optimizing images, similar, kind of similar, uh, and maybe a little bit better than what, what Photon does where you can do uh, have have uh, images be auto-cropped, auto-scaled, et cetera, by the CDN and not by WordPress, which can be advantageous in a number of cases. And then also being able to add some really cool developer features for doing things like detecting mobile traffic, serving alternate pages based on geography automatically, being able to get in kind of like this, uh, this notion of like personalization as a, a part of your website strategy and that like that is the the marriage of like really good content strategy with really good front-end development but if you don't have like the infrastructure to support it it can be very like kludgy to put together so we'll, right, right. we'll have uh, some some stuff to, to offer there and so just like a bunch of a, a bunch of neat and then some some really neat features for people who run like large uh, portfolios of websites, so the ability to, to to share some assets across all those sites, to be able to like uh, do what we call domain masking, where you might have like mybigcompany.com uh, slash blog is a specific WordPress instance, and then mybigcompany.com slash community is like a actually a Drupal instance, and mybigcompany.com slash store is a WooCommerce instance, and actually run those as separate applications so they can all have their own development pipelines and their own deployment pipelines but actually mask them all under the main domain without like having to just like manage a janky server somewhere with like three subdirectories with three instances of the app in them so like being able to support that type of architecture on pantheon wow that's that's really cool so there's uh, a lot of uh really neat things coming down the pike i've talked to a couple of people recently about the like the custom content kind of experience it sounds like a lot of people are thinking through this problem uh, and solving it, you know, on as low a level as possible is, like you said, advantageous to 
you know, the users and, and, and the developers as well. So now we are, well, we're slightly over time, but I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I always, I can't end the show without asking my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Any trade secrets? So a trade secret of Pantheon is that the company runs on specifically the Monster Rehab energy drink. It's a <laughs> it's a lighter weight energy drink, which is low calorie and comes in these various tea-based flavors. And going back to the very beginning of like, okay, we gotta like hunker down and build this like crazy infrastructure to like the day-to-day now of uh, uh people like you know having four in- engineering squads cranking away on like different aspects of the product. That is by far and away the most popular beverage of the energy drink section in the office. <laughs> nice, very nice. I love that. I lived on full throttle in grad school and that I don't recommend that for a million reasons. Uh, and one is just you're getting all of the sugar that you need for an entire week in one can. Yeah, totally. So awesome. Well, I'll have to check out uh, this monster rehab. I'm sure it'll come in handy for me since I have a, a young baby at home uh, who is teething. And so she keeps me up at night. Ooh, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It's 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 very sad from from my, you know, from the parent point of view because she's in pain and there's literally nothing you can do about it except yeah. like give her Tylenol. Now, I do want to ask you one more question, and this is purely for me. Have you ever been told, uh, first of all, have you ever seen Scrubs, the TV show Scrubs? Uh, I have seen it, but I'm not like a watcher of it. Gotcha. There is this one character. He's a recurring character. His name is Sam. And you look and sound like Sam. So uh, that's. I just wanted to put that in front of you and ask if you've ever been told that before. I so that's a that is no that's a new one for me but I'm gonna have to check that out. I used to get like um one of the guys from the office. People would say that I looked like him, and then when I was when I was younger and like in a little bit better shape and had short hair, people said that I looked like Brendan Fraser. Nice, but uh but yeah, I'll I'll check that out. Sam, Sam from Scrubs. Yeah, now don't I don't want you to take this the wrong way because like in the show he's like kind of like a drug addict. <laughs> And that's not uh, that I'm not saying that about you. You just look and sound like him. Fun fact. Here's how we'll end the show. Brendan Fraser was also a recurring character on Scrubs. Uh, so uh, with that, Josh, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, man. Thanks, Joe. I really, really enjoyed it. What a great conversation. And thanks again to Josh for taking time out of his busy day to talk to me. Uh, and seriously, check out Sam from Scrubs. It is uncanny. Thanks again to our sponsors. Make sure to check out Liquid Web for managed WordPress hosting. I use them on all my important sites, and they are that good. They're over at buildpodcast.net slash liquid, and they'll give you 50% off your first two months just for being a listener. If you want to save your clients or yourself money through recovering abandoned carts, then check out Jilt. They are over at buildpodcast.net slash Jilt. And finally, if you want to build incredible websites at a fraction of the time and the cost, check out Beaver Builder. I use it and I love it. They're over at buildpodcast.net slash builder. For all of the show notes, head over to howibuilt.it slash six seven. If you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. It helps people discover us. Finally, Recently, I published my brand new Patreon page. It offers a lot better rewards, some great goals, and I'm really doubling down on it. So if you like the show and you want to support it directly, 
head over to patreon.com slash howibuiltit. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month. One more note before we close out the show. Next week, we're starting a little mini-series on building your own business. It'll be six episodes, and we'll cover niching down, marketing and content strategy, legal information, and more. We're kicking it off with Dr. Sherry Walling and self-assessment. How do you know you're ready to start your own business? Find out next week. So until then, get out there and build something.